All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Healing Intentions. This is your host, Dr. Adrian Mamedi. Today, I have a really special guest, Olivia Muzonis. Welcome, Olivia. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Um, we went to the same school. Olivia goes to the school that I went to, National University, and she's doing her chiropractic and acupuncture degrees and um, have a lot of cool things in common, a lot of uh, interesting topics to talk about. So I said, hey, come on the show share all of your awesome gifts and passions and interests for the world. And uh, so here you are. So thank you for, for being on the show. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Um, so let's start with a little check-in. I like to do this with people, like a three-word check-in, kind of check in with yourself. How are you feeling right now in this moment? What are three words that come up? Okay. I'll take a deep breath. Mm -hmm. Okay. First word is nervous. <laughs> feeling a little nervous. Um, I do enjoy podcasts. I love listening to podcasts. I haven't been on many, so I'm feeling a little bit nervous, but I think nerves are also great because it mixed it mixes with excitement. So it's kind of both, right? It's like you feel nervous and you feel excited. And so I'm feeling both of those things. Mm -hmm. And then I also just feel very kind of peaceful in my life right now. That's, I've been kind of approaching that stage of my life. I feel like a lot of it was very chaotic for a while. And now I'm kind of going into this stage of peace. So that's my mm -hmm. three words. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, makes sense for where you're at in school. You have, uh, what, um, one month or less left in your chiropractic degree, right? Or no acupuncture and then chiropractic yeah. you finish in April. Yeah. So, so yeah, less than a year left to go and it's like the home stretch. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I didn't do two programs at once. So that's on a whole different level doing the daytime and the nighttime. Uh, program mm -hmm. but I can tell you that just doing the one naturopathic program being towards the end uh, a, a lot of emotions start to develop a lot of you know thoughts of like whoa you know kind of like integration time of like I learned all this information now it's time to put it all together connect the dots right and yeah what do I do with all this now like how am I putting this in use into the world in my life right yeah, I think we talked about this last time we were together in California, but you said you don't actually start learning things until you graduate from school. So something along those lines. And that was mm -hmm. that was really refreshing to me because you put so much pressure on yourself as a student, whether that's for medical school or a lawyer or whatever. Mm -hmm. You put so much pressure on yourself to know everything and when you graduate. So you're like ready to go and you're ready to be successful. But that's a lot of stress and pressure. And so it was really refreshing when you were like, well, actually, everything you start to learn comes after you graduate. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, definitely. That's like when the fun really starts. You know, it's like in school, you're getting the piece of paper, you're getting the degree. Yeah. It's like, hey, yeah, I know the basics. But it's all these conferences, all these seminars, all these like additional trainings, the passions, the interest that we have in other topics that aren't taught in school that yeah. I believe kind of keep us going through the whole thing and kind of keep us motivated and interested. So what got me through getting through school is like, oh, I have to learn about, 
you know, liver histology. Great. Awesome. <laughs> but I also can learn about cannabis and psychedelics and mental health, you know, as much as I want in my free time. And so yeah. that's what I would do and go to the conferences and read the books and watch documentaries, you know? Yeah. And it's awesome as a student because you get student discounts. So I've gone to tons of seminars, tons of conferences, and it's really the only thing that keeps me going throughout mm -hmm. school because yeah, like you said, you you're, you're in it to get a piece of paper, but then the real learning is actually done outside of school. Yeah, for sure. The learning when you're not being tested is the most fun kind of learning, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, so tell me about your progression. Like, how did you get to be in school to become a chiropractor and acupuncturist? Like what, what's, yeah. what's that story like? Yeah, it's an interesting story. And I feel like a lot of people who are in this field, they find it kind of through unconventional routes because I wish, so I have this dream of like going to speak at a high school because I feel like if more kids at a younger age knew that this was an option to take the more like natural route, then they would not go to med school and they would go to chiropractic school or they would go to naturopathic school and they would choose this because ultimately people who get in this field, they want to help people. And a lot of the times they think, oh, well, I want to help people. I'm really caring. And then they like take the med school route and then they find out it's not really all it's chalked up to be, you know, mm -hmm. the, one of the guys I'm going to be working with, he was a nurse before he came to Cairo school and the stories he tells me about being a nurse. And I, I mean, I love nurses, God bless them, but it's a hard life. Mm -hmm. And same mm -hmm. thing with, you know, the med school route and, and how they're really treating patients and people are experiencing this even more now for themselves after the whole COVID thing, just like yeah. not really getting the help that they need. So yeah. that's a side note, but I got into it. I was really lucky. So my mom, when she was younger, she had a lot of hormonal issues and she was basically infertile. So mm. she didn't get her period until she was like 21 years old, mm. was on and off birth control, just like had a really messed up hormones. And so she went to a doctor that one of her friends recommended and he was a chiropractor. Mm. Um, and, but we called him like a holistic doctor because we didn't really know he was even a chiropractor because he did homeopathy, which a lot of naturopaths do. Mm -hmm. He did acupuncture and Chinese medicine. He did herbs, supplements, functional medicine, all of that stuff, muscle testing. So she went to him and he put her on a diet, um, gave her some supplements, you know, did a bunch of other things. And she basically accidentally got pregnant because he fixed her hormones. And that's actually how I got here is from the accidental pregnancy. Wow. <laughs> but so ever since then, my family has gone to a holistic doctor. So I grew up in immersed in this field. Um, but I also have family in the medical field. So my aunt's a pediatrician, I have an aunt who's an MD. And so I got to see both sides and I got to experience both sides. Um, but I was fortunate enough that I did, you know, go to that kind of doctor, my whole family did. And that was just the normal medicine that I grew up with. So I did that like my whole life. And I had a lot of issues as most people do get in this field, you know, digestive, hormonal, all of the things. Mm -hmm. um, I had a lot of food sensitivities as a child. I was like deathly allergic to food coloring, food dyes. Mm. So when I was younger, sprinkles or anything would absolutely send me and I would get so sick and I'd end up in the hospital because wow. I was so allergic to like food dyes wow. and yeah so I had a lot of weird food sensitivities and stuff um but a lot luckily it was basically treatable and fixable with the kind of medicine that I was going to mm -hmm. um 
And then I went to college and I was like at this crossroad. I was like, okay, I can either become a doctor and do this, or I could become a businesswoman and I could go the business route, you mm -hmm. know? And I was either going to take like, a, I was going to be a kinesiology major, or I was going to do like business and apply to the business school. And I just decided, you know, I'm going to do the business route. And so I did that for two years. I worked at a co-working space. I went to UW-Madison. I was in the business school. I did all of that. And it was very fun. I loved startup culture. And I kind of realized, okay, if I graduate, I'll probably be happy for three years post-graduation, right. Right. <laughs> you know? And I feel like a lot of younger people are kind of at that crossroad too, where they're like, wait, and it's even more popular now, I feel like with the younger generations, but they're like, they don't want to take the typical course of like getting a college degree and working a corporate job. Right. You know, and that wasn't what I was planning on doing, but I still was like, what is the big picture here? And I was lucky enough that I kind of figured that out at a young age. And so at that point I was a sophomore in college and I decided to completely drop out of school, out of UW-Madison, move home and go to my current grad school because I had a small undergrad program where I could take science classes. So I was like saving a ton of money, but I left my friends. I left my boyfriend at the time. And I was just like, this is what I need to do. Mm. And this is the question that somebody asked me that helped me make that final decision. Cause that's a big decision for, I was maybe 19 years old to make at the time. Um, and they asked me if you could learn about one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Mm. Good right. Question. Good question. Yeah. It's, it's so good. And it's so insightful because your whole life, you're going to be consuming information. You're going to be wanting to do something. Yeah. You're going to want to work in some capacity and hopefully it's fun and it's something that you enjoy, but it was basically just like, what do you enjoy? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And my answer was like health and wellness. You know, that was my passion. I could learn about, I could consume that information. No one would have to pay me to do it. I would just do it for my own personal joy. Mm -hmm. And so after I figured that out, I was like, okay, this is the move that I need to make. And then I started undergrad, finished science classes, started my grad school program. And then that led me to where I am today. Wow. That's awesome. That's so interesting. Um, because kind of similar in my story as well. I, I did the finance undergrad degree yeah. and I was going to be a doctor, you know, and then I said, oh, I don't want to be old when I'm a doctor. And then and then I switched <laughs> to finance and worked in that world for a little, literally two years. And then I was like, nah, not passionate about this. You know, and then I did other jobs just for the money sales and like, oh, I'm not passionate about this. And then, you know, I think somebody asked me a question of like, what would you do if money didn't matter? You know, like, what would you do with your life if you, money didn't matter? And like, what would your life be? What would your career be? What would you do? Oh, I would just travel. That's what people say. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Travel and do what though? <laughs> just travel. Exactly. You know? And so, um, I, and that's when I realized like, whoa, what am I passionate about? What are my passions? Like at that mm -hmm. time, I didn't really know. I didn't have any, you know? And then one of my first passions was, was cannabis and thanks to the cannabis, led me to natural medicine, naturopathic mm. medicine. And so here I am. Um, but it, that's, that's pretty awesome that you, you realize that so early on, you know, yeah, you make the switch and, and you're just getting started now. You're about to graduate <laughs> here in a few months and it's like, watch out world. 
when Doc yeah, Olivia no, comes I'm, on the scene. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super excited. There's this quote that I saw the, in a doctor's office actually that I was shadowing at, and it was really beautiful. And it basically said that God gives you um, that he like hand picks these challenges that you're going to have in your life for you to transmute them into gifts that you can help other people heal through. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another like beautiful way to look at it too. When you're kind of at this crossroad of like, I don't know what I want to do next, whether you're in college or whether you're, you know, your second career in it's like, okay, what kind of challenges have you really had in life? Like, what are your struggles? Yeah. And then have you worked through them? Are you passionate about them now? And can you share and can you help other people? Cause I think that's the most fulfilling thing. That's ultimately what everyone wants to have is fulfillment in what they do. And a lot of the times you get fulfillment from helping people and it doesn't have to be the medical route. Right. Right. Helping people discover more about themselves, helping people learn something, helping people discover their passions, whatever it is, you know, just helping Mm -hmm. people. Health is obviously, you know, the most important part of our life, you know, health is wealth. And it so is. <laughs> it's a privilege and an honor, right, to be in this field. And that's why it's like the real learning starts after school, because that's why they call it a medical practice, right? You know, yeah. you're constantly like practicing your skills. It's a lifelong learning. When you're a doctor, you sign up to be a lifelong learner. And like, yeah. I'm going to learn the rest of my life and keep up with updates, you know, and science and, and developments. Yeah. And so it's like an exciting thing. I think thing. everyone everyone should adopt that mindset, right? Like just to be a lifelong learner. Yeah. I mean, even in your old age, it's like the people who keep learning, their brains are preserved, right? Right. Right. Yep. Yep. If you don't use it, you lose it, right? Exactly. In all aspects. (laughs) You have to really keep using it. And, you know, it's up to you. The mental, the mental game is real. Like you can be 85 and like oh I'm old and I'm you know handicapped now and I can't walk and or there's you know people in their 80s running marathons so teaching seminars some of the seminars that I'm taking are you know by these people who are in their 80s (laughs) yeah especially on on, on Chinese medicine side right like their yeah longevity is oh absolutely that's awesome um so, so let's get into some of your favorite uh, passions, your favorite topics of, yeah. of healing. Okay. So talk about how you got into like the applied kinesiology world. Is that from your doctor that yeah. you're seeing there? Because that's an interesting world yeah. for sure. Like, how did you get into that? What's your, you know, talk about that for people that don't know what okay. kinesiology is. Yeah. So applied kinesiology is a technique that a lot of mostly chiropractors do. I know there's other naturopaths and, and people in the field who do applied kinesiology. There's actually medical doctors in Europe. A lot of the medical doctors, they do apply kinesiology, mm. which is fantastic. And I got into it through the doctor that I had um, gone to growing up. He's actually from Belgium. Mm. So he did apply kinesiology. And it is a way to look at the body um, from a really holistic perspective and use the body as kind of like a feedback tool to figure out what's going on. And it ultimately is just a tool like anything. Mm-hmm. And in, in applied kinesiology, they have a triangle of a triad of health that they look at and it's the mental, emotional, the structural or physical and the chemical. 
Mm. And so that is what makes up. And then there's also like the energetic part, which I think Mm. they throw in there somewhere, but that's ultimately the triangle that they look at. And I see applied kinesiology docs just have the most holistic perspective. It also integrates Chinese medicine, which I love. They use the meridian system and they use, you know, just the ancient wisdom of Chinese medicine Mm -hmm. weaved in. Mm-hmm. And it's a fantastic way to just evaluate the body and what's going on because everything is connected and applied kinesiology, I think does the best job of kind of showing us how the body is connected. Mm-hmm. So you're using the body as like a diagnosis and treatment in a way, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like, for example, um, there's different muscles that are associated with different organ systems Mm -hmm. and your muscles will change in the tone, like the muscle tonicity based on um, the feedback that it gets from the surrounding environment. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for example, the guy who, who started applied kinesiology, Dr. Goodhart, he figured out that the deltoid muscle, which is on your shoulder is associated with the lung organ. And so if you're having issues, like if someone has shoulder pain, a typical chiropractor is going to be looking at their shoulder. Okay. Like what's wrong structurally, or um, maybe a naturopath is going to look at it and be like, okay, well, what kind of like, um, what kind of things do they need in their diet? That's like supporting Mm -hmm. them for like Mm -hmm. muscle health or whatever. Inflammation. But uh, inflammation. Yeah. Is there inflammation in the joint? Is there, you know, other metabolic processes going on, but Mm -hmm. an applied kinesiology doctor like looks at that and says, okay, they test the muscle, they figure out, okay, it's the deltoid that's weak, what part of the deltoid is weak. And then they think, okay, well, if it's both of the deltoids, oftentimes when two things are, and it's not weak, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say weakness, it's more of like a facilitation or an inhibition of a muscle. Mm. So it's not all the time, like a muscle weakness, like they can't hold their arm up. It's more of like, okay, against resisted pressure, is this muscle really, really strong? Does it lock or is there a little bit of give to it? Is there like a neurological inhibition of the muscle? Mm -hmm. Um, And it is really more functional neurology than anything else is what applied kinesiology is. Mm -hmm. And so back to my shoulder example, if both of the muscles on both sides of the body are weak, that's, you think systemic, you think less structural. Because if it's a structural problem, it's probably just going to be one-sided, but if it's both of them, it might be more systemic. And so then you're thinking, okay, well, what, um, what organ is associated with the, with the, uh, the deltoid and it's the lung. Mm -hmm. And then you ask the person, okay, are you a smoker? Do -hmm. you smoke weed? Do you smoke cigarettes? And if the answer is yes, then that's going to be a huge factor. That's the body's telling you your lungs are suffering. Your lungs are weak. Mm. If your muscles are, if you're short, so they could have shoulder pain. And then all of a sudden you give them like lung support, they stop smoking and then their shoulder pain goes away. Mm You would never have been able to figure that out. If you're just looking at the shoulder joint and evaluating it from a structural perspective. And that goes for almost every muscle in the body. And then you look at the meridian system too. On top of it, people who have like skin rashes, you look at, okay, well, where is the skin rash? What meridian is it on? What does the skin rash look like? Is it Mm. red? Is it bumpy and itchy? You know, that's in Chinese medicine, that's heat. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes you can tell what's, if there's something going on with like the stomach meridian, you have a lot of stomach heat because you have a rash along your stomach channel. And Mm. so layering that in just gives you so, so many more ways to look at the body and like what's going on versus if you go to a Western medical doctor 
you have a rash on your leg, they're like, oh, here's some cortisone cream. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, or you have eczema and we'll just treat you for eczema and nobody really knows how to treat eczema besides like creams, <laughs> you right. know, and eczema is like a systemic internal problem that's showing up on your skin, right. but also where it's showing up can, can tell you things. So that's like a, a tiny, tiny little fraction of like the field of applied kinesiology mixed in with Chinese medicine. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for, for sharing. That's a good rundown. And you know, it's interesting for, for people that don't know that much about Chinese medicine, you know, the five element theory and, and like how each element is associated with emotions, you know, mm -hmm. and like liver is anger, right? And yeah. like, I always use this example for people, like when you drink alcohol, it does what affects your liver mm -hmm. and what happens it often. Up the liver. Yeah. And what happens when people get, you know, drunk, they can get angry, like anger can come out. And no, no wonder that the liver is, you know, heated up, agitated. And it's like the emotion associated with his anger. So it's like, oh, that's why people when they drink, they can get angry. It's like, oh, you know, and it just like makes sense. So mm -hmm. what's the emotion for for long again? Grief. Grief. So that could be yeah, something that, that people are dealing and that's with. A you know, not processing yeah, or whatever, right? Absolutely. So yeah, we can go, we can totally go into all the emotions. And because I think that's when you ask me, like, what's your passion? I would say that's probably it is how emotions in your emotional health um, feeds into the physical. Mm. Because I have yet to and I even ask people in my field this, I'm like, you know, have you ever met somebody that has some kind of physical problem where there isn't an emotional component? Right? Good like question. never. Right. Truly, I have not yet met a patient or somebody who has, and there's, there's lots of factors involved, but there is always an emotional comp component, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. unless there, maybe there's a trauma, like a physical trauma, but then even then there's also an emotional component because it was a physical trauma, right? Right. Yeah. And, and it's so important. It's like, you know, oh yeah, yeah. Mental, emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. How's, how's mental stress? You know, it's like a question or something on a form. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about that. No, 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 no. Slow down. <laughs> You're going to talk about physical, you know, like do this exercise, take these supplements, do this diet, you mm -hmm. know, all this stuff. And then there's a couple questions about emotional and mental, emotional, spiritual. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We got to spend way more time over here because this is like yeah. the root cause oftentimes of most people's even physical ailments. Right. So that's yeah. what I realized, even in the naturopathic community. And there's, you know, a bunch of doctors out there. Dr. Paul Epstein is a big one that talks about like, well, this isn't being taught enough in our schools for how much mm -hmm. we know the mind body is the key to it all. We're barely even focusing on it still, even in our yeah. holistic education, you know, totally so a big, big need. There's a technique called neuroemotional technique NET mm -hmm. that a lot of chiropractors, naturopaths, acupuncturists, and people will, will do. And it's fantastic whenever somebody has any kind of you know emotional problem or physical something where you're like okay based on their history I can kind of tell there's like an emotional component I always recommend finding somebody in their area who does NET because it it ties in the the body component of how the emotion is affecting you and it allows a practitioner to kind of go in and figure out what the underlying root cause emotion is and then clear it from the system. And I've seen 
miracles happen with NET with mm-hmm. people have this chronic knee pain and then they, you know, there's an emotional component to it and they heal the emotion. They feel it, they release it, they go through the NET process and then their knee pain is gone, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or doesn't matter how people- many knee exercises or whatever they're doing. Yes. No, absolutely. And that's not just physical, a lot of internal stuff too. I mean, digestive issues. There's actually a fantastic book. This is like a cheat to life. (laughs) And it's called The Body. um, It's not The Body Keeps the Score. It's The Messages from the Body. That's what it's called. Mm -hmm. And it's this giant book. It looks almost like a textbook. And you can find almost any diagnosable ailment in there. And it has a little paragraph on like what the message from the body is. So for example, for women who have PCOS, it's like a in the message from the body, if you're diagnosed with PCOS is that it's like this rejection of the feminine. Mm -hmm. And it's like women who are too much in their masculine, whether that's from a trauma, whether that's from how they grew up, whether it's a generational thing, it's like, that's the message. The body's telling you like you're too masculine and it from an energetic standpoint, like you can like boy clothes and, and, and be all masculine. You don't have to be like a feminine woman. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But just from an energetic standpoint and what that means, you're like rejecting the feminine. Mm-hmm. And that is what the message from PCOS. And you could, like I said, any ailment, you name one and it's in there and you can wow. kind of see, okay, is there an emotional component to this? And a lot of the times for people who I've read this too, they're like, wow, that makes so much sense. And no wonder, I mean, doesn't it make so much sense? PCOS is your body, you know, off of a hormonal cycle and, you know, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And, and then you have high testosterone, like a male, Absolutely. you mm-hmm. have high testosterone, like a male, because you're so masculine dominant that your body's like, well, let's make a bunch of testosterone. Where's yeah. the estrogen? Where's the balance? Right? Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. Um. Wow. So, <laughs> That's why I love doing podcasts because I get to learn about stuff as I'm, you know, talking and I just happen to just share that conversation with the world. It's like wonderful. That's why I started it, it was during quarantine. I was like, I just have like having good conversations with people. I might as well hit record. And yeah. <laughs> get out to the fair world. Enough. It's been cool. So really quick, you mentioned the five elements. Let's go through them all really quick. If you don't you know, mind and maybe people will get these associations of like, oh, I have these you know, imbalances with this, you know, like emotion sure. is part of my organ. And, and, you know, talk about how the organ isn't necessarily only that organ, right? It's like the system and like the spleen channel, for example, isn't only your yeah. organ of your spleen, right? Like that's important to distinguish. Sure. Okay. So let's start with, so I talked about lung. Mm-hmm. Lung is metal, lung, large intestine. Those are like the pairs and that's metal. Mm-hmm. And so that's associated with grief. Um, and let's see, then there's the water element that's kidney and the urinary bladder. Um, kidneys associated with fear. Mm. So a lot of the times for children who have bedwetting issues, there's like a fear component mm-hmm. that is an emotion that needs to be cleared. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's the spleen and stomach and that's earth. And spleen and stomach, spleen is mostly um, overwork a lot of the times. Um, I find spleen, people who have what's called like spleen chi deficiency is like 
overwork or pensiveness, overthinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's heart, the heart meridian, heart and small intestine that is fire. Mm-hmm. And the associated um, emotion is joy for the heart. And so you mm. think like, obviously joy is a good thing, but sometimes there can be like overjoy, um, almost like bordering on mania mm. or like over laughter. Not that it's kind of a weird one um, because there can be imbalances in joy or like lack of joy too. There could be lack of fire, mm-hmm. passion in your life. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times when people are pretty like apathetic, there's like that lack of joy. There's like an imbalance in their heart or a small intestine you know, meridian. And then my favorite, which is the liver gallbladder system, which is wood. And like you said earlier, it's anger is the predominant anger, frustration. Those are the predominant emotions of the liver. Mm. And I joke, that's why people have so much road rage is because people have so many liver issues. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had a patient actually. Definitely. No, sorry to interrupt. I was going to say the liver um who doesn't have like a congested liver these days if you've eaten meat if you've had alcohol if you've had sugar if you've had any processed foods if you're consuming any of the food air water (laughs) in our society (laughs) your liver is probably a little clogged up yeah absolutely I was gonna say I had a patient who came in to me on the acupuncture side and she wanted to get treated for like anger issues Mm. and so we were doing stuff with her for acupuncture we did some NET and she was like, this works miracles because I always have road rage. And for the first time, I like was not seething in my car on the way home. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, the <laughs> liver, liver gallbladder channel is some powerful stuff. I, I did the 100 hour uh, acupuncture certificate. So I know about the channel a little bit and needles, you know, we mm-hmm. learned five points per channel <laughs> there's yeah. like a little brief you know overview of acupuncture is like this is scratching the surface you know this stuff goes yeah. deep 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 so it does it's awesome awesome so what about um like the other side of things like cpk site k like talk about that world because that was all brand new to me you taught me about all that i'd never heard about that so talk about yeah that. um so CPK is, is there's a lot of different techniques that are kind of branches off of applied kinesiology. CPK mm-hmm. is one of them. We can touch on it. I don't want to go too in depth just because I feel like I'm still pretty new into sure. the field of sure, CPK. Sure. Yeah, this is um, not a lecture on CPK, just a little. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's overview. just, it's just like another technique and it kind of uses the same, um, the same concept of muscle testing, like biofeedback. Mm-hmm. with the body to kind of figure out what's going on and what's the root cause. And mm-hmm. then um, K is, is a, in the, the emotional kind of realm of seminars that I've taken. And K is really fascinating, but it's basically a technique that helps you to reprogram your subconscious mind. And mm-hmm. so you have your conscious mind and I know you do a ton of Joe Dispenza work, so you can speak on this a lot more than I can, huh. but um you have your conscious mind and your subconscious mind and your conscious mind, you know, you can say you want something or you can have the intention. You can say the affirmations, but if your subconscious mind has the opposite belief, absolutely forget it. Like it's not mm-hmm. happening. It's mm-hmm. go, it's a train going the opposite direction to like what you actually want. And so mm-hmm. the technique of psyche helps people to it's, it's 
not a technique that is done to you. And that's what I really like about it. It's fully the person like in control in their power. Um, the person who knows how to do psyche is more of just like a facilitator mm-hmm. and it helps to reprogram like your self-limiting beliefs basically around anything. And then that program is integrated into the body. It's integrated to the brain. They create something called like a whole brain state. And then from there you can, the actions that you take are just so much easier. You don't feel that actual resistance in your body when you're trying to move towards your goals and things start to just fall into place a lot easier because all of a sudden your subconscious mind is like, okay, this is what we're doing. Mm. I believe you now. You're in alignment. Otherwise yeah. it's like that, you know, that subconscious mind is like an iceberg, right? It's like 95% and then yeah. 5% is the conscious mind. So it's like, what's really running the show? You know, you think exactly. consciously your thoughts, but so much deeper than that, you know, and that's where all this work, Joe Dispenza and meditation and psychedelics and all of these deeper mental, emotional things, you know, going at the deep childhood traumas and self-limiting beliefs and like stuff that's been deeply stored in there from the Mm -hmm. beginning of your life, you know, that's the ultimate work. And maybe sometimes not the most fun, you know, but like my favorite quote, the cave you fear to enter contains a treasure you seek right you know sometimes that that cave uh, once you face that fear there's some magical things on the other side you know and healing and all of that so um we did a little brief session of that when you're here in LA recently Mm -hmm. had a had an amazing day uh hanging out and did some awesome things and site k was one of them then and the the phrase that I came out of with of it with that was so deeply ingrained in me is I dare to allow my dreams and visions to come true and like it's powerful that's very powerful Mm -hmm. for me because I do dare to allow my dreams and visions to come true and I've been seeing it unfold so beautifully every day every day day by day the people I meet the conversations I have it's like I just see it unfolding and and happening so I'm pretty excited um so i appreciate you for that because i was just the beginning of so much more to come um and yeah so let's talk about the day that we had when you're here in la it was honestly like an ideal day you came to visit i came and met up with you and um we experienced uh ketamine together which you know is a newer thing to me and me what as well. <laughs> yeah, newer thing to you as well. What a wonderful, um, you know, that's what we have to realize that we can't throw out pharmaceuticals. We can't say they're all bad. Pharmaceutical companies suck. It's like, well, there's a time and a place for everything, right? In acute emergency care, I get in a car accident. Please take me to the hospital, right? It's not Immediately. The time <laughs> for herbs, it's not the time for CPK or plaquenesiology no. or any of that stuff. It's like, get us to uh, you know the acute care we need but for more chronic diseases that's where our conventional medical system doesn't really thrive they're not taught health right yeah and so that's where Mm -hmm. oh sorry there's an interesting book and there might even be a documentary about it but how like the origins of medical school and where the education actually stems from do you know what i'm talking about 
Um, well, yeah, the documentary that I had, Dr. Rick Kirshner's documentary, How Healthcare Became Sick Care. Is that what you're talking about? Because there's probably no. multiple of them. Yeah, but it was is basically how pharmaceutical companies, they came up with the structure for the foundation of med- like Western medical schools. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's, there's a whole documentary about it by Dr. Rick Kirshner, who I had on the podcast. And he, it's called How Healthcare Became Sick Care, The True History of Medicine. Yeah. And the book that I'm writing is kind of inspired by that documentary. It's called, my book's called Profits Over People, How Healthcare Became Sick Care. And I kind of borrowed that mm-hmm. you know, title from him with his permission. And mm-hmm. uh, it's about that exactly right there. Like how the education system got shifted and the Flexner report, you know, and we learn about that in school, right? But we don't go that in depth on it, you know, no. history and like what really happened. And I mean, we talk about it and we're supposed to read these things in class, whatever. I don't know how many people actually do, <laughs> but I was fascinated by that stuff. And I was like, whoa, guys, this is important for the public to know. Yeah. You know, but anyway, that's a, t- a long tangent. Um, pharmaceutical companies, ketamine. Yeah. Ketamine is a legal pharmaceutical drug. It's been used in anesthesia since the 1950s mm. safely, you know, and um, but small, small doses of it um, are pretty interesting in terms of like it puts you into like a gamma brainwave state, which is like what you're going for in deep meditation. And and so, you know, it's it's used right now for for chronic pain, for depression are the main you know indications. But um, and just like a, is like a tool for, for self-discovery, for, for personal development, for, you know, meditation, it's powerful. Um, and so, so we experienced that we chilled on the beach a little bit, meditated, went to have lunch at Nobu Malibu, beautiful experience. Um, so grateful for that, honestly. And then went to Chinese reflexology massage for your first time, which is awesome. Yeah. Highly recommend everybody out there get a Chinese foot reflexology massage. If you've never gotten one, I get one at least once a month. Really great. Part of that self-care, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no, but um, talking, touching a little bit about the ketamine, because I don't do, I don't do therapies very lightly. And I, when I do them, I do them with someone I trust, obviously who has experience with it and then very controlled too. Mm-hmm. And we did a very, very small dosage, but mm-hmm. I like to at least try things once because, and I do this with diets. I do this with almost anything um, mm-hmm. because my patients are going to come in and they're going to ask about these things. You know, mm-hmm. I have a patient currently who did academy therapy for depression and it, she did not respond well to it mm-hmm. at all, you know, and it actually made her like a little bit worse and all these things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, from, a purely curiosity and kind of just gathering data perspective. Mm-hmm. Scientific. That is why, yeah, scientific. That's why I wanted to try it. And mm-hmm. um, I have heard of the meditative benefits and how it increases brain derived neurotropic factor. Mm-hmm. And it was very subtle. And I, and I also think when people are trying different therapies, whether that be a controlled um, with somebody you know, for like depression or, you know, on their own terms, it really matters about the state that they're in when they do things, whether that even yeah. be like psychedelics, totally. you know, like mushrooms and 
and other things, or even marijuana, obviously it's legal in a lot of states now, but I even think people, um, they don't use these plant medicines. Ketamine is not a plant medicine, but you know, mm-hmm. shrooms and, and marijuana are classified as plant medicines in my book. They mm-hmm. don't really use them with a lot of intention. And I think they can be these fantastic tools if you have intention behind them. Mm-hmm. Like what answers are you seeking? What kind of state are you trying to get into? And when we were doing, you know, the ketamine on the beach, we had intention, we were going through meditation and it's like, you're, you're quieting the mind so much that you're almost opening it up to downloads from the universe or from God and or whatever you believe in. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be a really beautiful thing and think something to experience. But I think people need to just be a little bit more intentional about the plant medicines that they're using and the state that they're in, the people that they're with, because it can have drastically different effects. It could be the same strand of weed, yeah. right? And it can have drastically different effects if you're, you know, smoking because you came home and you had a really stressful day at work or you're, you know, celebrating a friend's birthday and you're in a group of people that you love. And you know what I mean? The energy is just so different and the plant medicine is going to act differently in in your system. Totally, totally. 100% agree. And it's really about your intention, your set and your setting as they talk about for for plant medicines, for psychedelics, Mm -hmm. like your mindset going into it, where you are doing these things, who you're with you know, all of these things. And so, and then the most important of all of like the bigger experience, of course, is the integration. You know, you can have these awesome insights and profound mystical experiences and moments. And then you go back to work on Monday morning, everything's the same. It's like, well, how do you integrate that into your daily life? You know, and that's where I realized at the Joe Dispenza retreat, I was just at, you know, that analogy I've shared so many times on the podcast, but I'll share it again of like, meditation yoga and breath work and all these things are like walking up the mountain and plant medicines are like a helicopter ride to the top you know they show you what's possible Mm -hmm. uh, but then you always come back down and so it's about the integration what are you doing every day to integrate that into your life and apply those lessons and you know change and so it's all about the integration so that's why I realized at the retreat, it's all about the meditation. Like meditation is the integration. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. You know, <laughs> coin many, that term. <laughs> many, yeah. Many paths uh, to get there. Sometimes people kind of start the plant medicine route and they get the message. And as Alan Watts says, once you get the message, you can hang up the phone. You know, I got the message. I'm good now. Um, I'm going to keep going down the meditation, yoga, whatever path. Right. And then some people never need the plant medicines. They don't even go yeah. there. They don't feel called. You know, it's just another tool, like you said. And yeah, it's fine. I think the same thing applies, even if, you know, you're going to therapy or you just, you go through a certain situation and you just learn something that there's always an integration process. And I can speak from personal experience where I'm the type of person where like, once I realize something, I'm like, okay, cool. Got it. Like I'm healed but that's not how it works. Like I want it to be immediate. And it's probably because we live in a world of immediate gratification, but once you realize something or you get the message or you, you know, figure out some kind of habit that's been holding you back, you're like, okay, cool. Got it. Like now everything's good. And then all of a sudden a trigger comes up or you're put in a situation and that same program like comes back. And that happens just because you did plant medicine and you had this profound healing experience. Doesn't mean that in your day-to-day life in certain situations, those old programs are not going to creep back up and it's going to be a test to see like how you respond. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And I think so the integration process is something that people really need to just put a lot more thought and like value into because no one really even talks about it I think and Mm -hmm. even like I said when you're in therapy and you realize something or you were in a bad situation and it's like okay how much time do I need to actually like put into practice and and how can I put this into practice in my life is it like the little daily things I can do or is it you know healing certain relationships with certain people is that going to help me along this process of of truly changing like who I am Right. That takes a lot longer than people really think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a lifelong process, right? Like you're, you know, feeding your body every day. It's not like you ate once and now you're good, right? Like you have to keep, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, keep feeding your body, keep feeding your mind, keep feeding your soul, like all of it, mind, body, spirit, it's all connected, right? And that's holistic medicine. Mm-hmm. Like there's no other way to look at it, right? That's why the the other way of looking at it is, silly (laughs) it's it's missing a lot you know it's missing a big piece of it so yeah it just seems so logical but you know we're not taught this anywhere and so if people find it themselves then you're one of the lucky ones but it oftentimes takes unfortunately like traumatic experiences or really tragic situations for people to like finally come out of this kind of like this matrix that we're living in you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely and that's part of my mission and you know vision and purpose for sharing this podcast and doing this and doing everything I do is to educate and empower people to realize that, that they are their own self-healers you know and mm-hmm. raise the level of consciousness in the meantime and that's what I do with every conversation I have every interaction you know, it's not what you do or what you have. It's who you are, who you're being, yeah. right? And so yeah. that's what it's about. That's something that we can all do, you know, on every conversation we have, every interaction we have, do we choose to live from our hearts in kindness and love or are we choosing fear and stress and ego and, you know? Yeah, and it's beautiful. I think I, education is truly the key in the way forward because all people need it really is just to know to know better and I think that's why social media is so powerful too and it's a really fantastic tool because the lot of people who are struggling with health or really anything like financial issues it, mm-hmm. any topic it's just there's like a lack of knowledge around it yeah. and as soon as you just learn oh this is actually how this is what the ingredients are doing to your body or this is whatever that just empowers people and then they can make the decision for themselves. That's the most, that's like the most privileged role. I think I feel as a healthcare provider is just like the ability to educate people so they can feel empowered enough to like change their behavior. I don't need to change their behavior. I don't need to tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. I should tell you like, this is what's happening in your body, in your mind when you do these certain things or eat these certain foods and then they can make the decision for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's like one of my favorite quotes. Uh, A healer does not heal you. A healer holds space for you while you awaken your inner healer so that you can heal yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I recently went to a seminar and this fantastic doctor taught and he said, said that same thing. He doesn't identify as a healer. And I think that's a very kind of like, 
ego egotistical kind of place to come mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. especially with people in more of the alternative medicine field right. and because that just takes the power away from the patient takes yep. the power away from them and ultimately the only person that is doing the healing is that person and yep. you are basically a facilitator or an educator or a space holder a guide really mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. And Dr. Joe Dispenza, he said that over and over again in his retreat. He's like, it's not about, don't make it about me. It's not about me and all my teachings and oh, Dr. Joe, Mm -hmm. he's so great. It's about you. It's about what are you doing all within you? We have it all within us. It's about tapping in to that awareness. Right. And you know, he's, he's so like funny about it. He's like, don't like leave me out of it. Like I'm really not what it's about. That's why he named the title of my retreat in Dallas, October 1st through the 8th. It was called you the greatest adventure. Oh, that's awesome. And I was like, Oh, at first, when I first got there, I was like, I don't really get it. You know, what does that mean? <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then as we went through it, it was like, Oh, wow. Yeah, I am really the greatest adventure. And it's all right here. Naturally. Yeah, I, I love how you talk- yeah, no, I love how you talk about tapping in because um, I think that's, that's, I got, I was meditating actually recently and I kind of got this, I think it was in yoga and I got this download about um, tapping in and using your intuition and it, it kind of full circle talking about our day that we had in California. Like we didn't have plans right. at all. Right? right. And it was this very intuitive day where we were like, okay, we're just going to go with the flow. And I feel like more people should ju- just try that on as an experiment. Just have a whole day where you just follow your intuition. Like what do, what does your body need? What does your soul need in that moment? And then follow it and just see where it takes you. And that is such a great way for people to kind of just tap more in, because like you said, we, we have the answers for the people who journal and you just sit down and you give yourself this time and space to ask yourself the questions that you want the answers for somebody is going to answer the question in that journal. Like you have Mm -hmm. the answers Mm -hmm. and people are so, and it's same thing with food, with health. Like one of the, um, one of my mentors, the best advice he gave to me for being a good doctor is to be a good listener Mm -hmm. because your patients will tell you exactly what's wrong with with them. Mm -hmm. And that's because we intuitively know exactly what we need, what is going on, but we're so, we're so like, broken from that intuition and we have it as a child right kids know exactly when they want to eat they know the foods that they want to eat they know the time that they want to sleep like we're so intuitive we know exactly how to take care of ourselves and exactly what we need and then we slowly get away from that one of the big things is like sugar like sugar just haywires your system and especially when kids then they don't know when they're hungry anymore they don't know when they're full but that's a whole side note. But then as we're an adult, it's like a re getting back to that childlike state of just being so intuitive and intuitive eating. I have such a passion for helping people tap into that intuition. Cause I used to struggle with food issues mm. severely my mm. whole life through high school, through college, and even into to med school for a little bit. And there's even sometimes still where, where I have these, these feelings and these patterns that come back up, I know how to handle them now. But intuitive eating, like the whole diet culture is so toxic to me, because yeah. it goes so far away from like intuitive eating and what you actually need, the portion sizes that you need, you know, yeah. everyone lives wants to live in this box of like, 
I'm a vegan or I'm a carnivore, I intermittent fast, or I like, it's just, there's all these rules and we're, it just, it gets us away from this intuition that we have this innate sense that like, we know exactly how to eat and what we need. Yeah, totally. And I'll, you know, challenge you a bit. It goes far as even the gluten-free dairy-free, right? It's all of it. It's all of it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, you know, it's whatever you decide is bad for your body. That's your thoughts as well. Oh, I can't eat this. I can't eat this. It's going to give me acne. Okay. Well, if you say so, right. Yeah. I mean the mind body part of it, there, there is a layer. And I think it's tough because our food, the food system that we live in, it's not what it used to be. So like maybe if everyone is eating like raw, unpasteurized dairy and like grass-fed meat then you can say oh you know if I eat that like then your thoughts will create things but like that's not how our food system works anymore like because things are so toxic but there is a there is a component to it you know there's that saying that's like I'd rather have a um, a happy donut than a sad salad. And it's because the energy that you have when you're eating, it matters. The food totally. does matter. You do have to pay attention because you will be sick if you're not actively, you know, looking for good, clean, whole food in this world that we live in. Yeah. But that goes also to say that there's always an energetic part of, of eating and the beliefs that you have around food. Totally. Wow. Happy donut. I love that. Cause I do love donuts. <laughs> sugar, <laughs> sugar is my ultimate thing. Like I know there's no benefit to the body at all for sugar. Yeah. Right. But I mean, 80% of well, the, yeah, refined sugar, refined sure. sugar. Yeah. 80% of the food in the grocery store has added sugar in it though. 80%. Oh, yeah. yeah. I recently saw some research that they did that shows that sugar is more addictive than cocaine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I used to joke about that with people like, oh, sugar's like cocaine, but it, it literally is. And it's worse. Actually, it's more addictive. Yeah. And yeah. You know why? Sugar... Because sugar, you like cocaine, you at least have to go out of your way to get from a guy, a dealer, whatever, right? Sugar is at every gas station. Sugar is at every yeah. checkout. Everywhere you go, you're surrounded by your addiction. Trust me, it's well, not easy. Well, even... <laughs> yeah that's a that's a huge factor but even in the research it just showed like with these with these mice or rats or something that they preferred their brain preferred the sugar to the cocaine like that's on a biochemical like level it is actually more addictive and it is everything yeah oh yeah for sure it's it's real and they get kids addicted on it from little right you're saying the food mm-hmm. colorings, the additives, the different things, right? They're in all these kids' foods that are eaten, you know, very commonly. So they start us young. They get the addiction going very mm-hmm. young, and then, yeah, by the time you're an adult, I will say this though. I noticed in the in our holistic health world, there's such a fine line between like diet and you know healthy eating and everything, and then it goes real quickly into orthorexia into mm. obsession with healthy eating yeah you know absolutely and that's like it's getting into that realm of like unhealthy of a relationship with food and like yeah oh no i can't touch that it's not organic gluten-free dairy-free it can't go in my body mm. well like you know most of the time yeah sure if that's what you know if it makes your body feel best but you know like i was saying the mental the mind body part of it i think is big it's bigger than you know people want to admit sometimes because like 
whether you think you can or you think you can't either way you're right you know that's a henry ford quote and like mm-hmm. so it's like you're training your body to say like yeah no i don't do glary dairy or gluten i can't handle it i, I don't tolerate it is that like forever that's why i asked you the other day are you gonna not yeah gluten forever that means yeah. your body can't ever tolerate it ever again that seems pretty extreme mm-hmm. to me but that's my personal beliefs and views you know yeah and and i would actually i would disagree just because i think from like an immune not immune from an immune standpoint immunological um thank you yeah Yeah. from an immune standpoint there are things that your body will just not be able to tolerate right um like gluten or dairy i mean most people are lactose intolerant you don't produce that enzyme to to break down dairy you're gonna have symptoms whether you want to tolerate them or not it's like kind of up to you and how sensitive that you start to get but i think with people too and that's why it kind of like you said, it, it tends towards like the extreme kind of obsession with sometimes people in our field is because mm-hmm. you start to feel so good and your body becomes so sensitive right. that when you do eat the small dessert here, there, you actually, you get brain fog or you mm-hmm. you're bloated or, and then it just, it to a lot of people, it's just not worth it. You're like, I yeah. know what it feels like to feel so good that I don't put that stuff in my body anymore. And then mm-hmm. it can seem a little bit extreme to some people, mm-hmm. but I think it it just depends on the level of comfortability that you have with how you want to feel. And I think that's mm-hmm. one thing that a lot of people don't even realize is they don't even know how the possibility of how good they can feel. Yeah. People are at this like baseline level of sickness. Yeah. And that's normal. If they were, it's normal. And if you were to get out of it, even for two weeks and to just see what it, and feel what it feels like to not have brain fog, to not have sleep issues, not have digestive issues, to have energy without caffeine, um, all of those things, it would be a lot easier for people to give up things that they yeah. are, that they deem that, oh, I would never give up. I'll never give up my dessert or my gluten or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm what really you would mm-hmm. never give that up if you could feel and you could operate at this high level i don't think so i think mm-hmm. people would give up anything to feel that but they but the challenge of getting there is where people fall off you know yeah. it's because they, they're not even able to get to that like high level of just yeah. feeling fantastic and it's not even about just like healing diseases you know like that's like the more obvious like hey i have horrible eczema all over my body i'll do whatever it takes whatever gluten-free dairy-free sure i'll do it i'll Mm -hmm. i've tried everything right now i'm motivated yeah i'll do it i'll do it but you know what's hard is when you don't have the serious health challenges and you don't have serious eczema and you can tolerate i i mean i'll be honest i eat pretty much whatever i want all the time Mm -hmm. i have no restrictions on my diet ever because I have no health challenges. So what's mm-hmm. my motivation? But yeah. it's harder for somebody like me because it's like, I'm not going for like, just I'm good. I'm going for like, excellent, like super mm-hmm. vital. Right. Yeah. So like, that's what's like, I don't know how good I can really be feeling. Maybe I feel awesome, but maybe I can feel super freaking awesome. Yeah. You know, so and I, you know, and I would about. challenge you to explore that because you do you really don't know i mean you don't know how good you could feel if you did cut out some of those like inflammatory foods Mm -hmm. and you know i don't know how often you how much sleep you get but like getting i was telling patients like you got nine hours of sleep for 
two to three weeks, you'd be a brand new person. Oh yeah. Brand new. For sure. Big. I agree with that hundred percent. Yeah. It's those like little tweaks that, you know, it seems really insurmountable for a lot of people, but that you make. And then all of a sudden, yeah, all the goals that you want to accomplish and stuff, you have the energy to do that all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and so it's it's a lifestyle things but you know we talk about it like it's easy it's not it's no. not easy it is super difficult it's difficult for people who have the knowledge it's even more difficult for people who don't and i mean it's just a challenging thing and that's why i'm so passionate about you know this field that we're in because it's like how do you meet people where they're at and help them like grow to get to the place that they want to be because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. people have different thought processes on this but I definitely think that you just have to meet people where they're at and you can't have, you can't project your own expectations onto them. Right. You know, and and whatever their definition of happiness is and health, it's going to be different from yours. And if they just Mm want to get to this level and they don't want to get to this higher level, then that's what they want to do. And you have to respect that. Exactly. And help them get there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Um, so many things to talk about so many things uh i i have one other question for you what are your thoughts okay. on cannabis and specific specifically with chinese medicine and like mm-hmm. you know it's one of the original 50 herbs in chinese medicine or something like that you know like mm-hmm. really like ancient history in it all and you know like what do you have to say about it from a chinese medicine perspective um you're not gonna know, like my like answer. the long <laughs> What? That you're not gonna like my answer. I, I, I know. I think so. <laughs> I have a feeling, but I just wanted to ask it anyway. Like I know yeah. the lung heat, smoking it, you know, of course, whatever, but just just in general, you know, Chinese medicine. Yeah. Works. Okay, so it well, it heats up the stomach, um, stomach organ system, you know, mm-hmm. in general. And that's part of the reason why you have like an increased appetite mm-hmm. is because it creates stomach heat. When stomach heat can create a lot of other issues. It's like stomach heat can cause, you know, rashes. It can cause, it can lead to just ultimately you have an increased appetite and like weight gain. Mm -hmm. I mean, people say like weight gain associated with like eating or smoking weed and munchies and stuff. But from a Chinese medicine standpoint, if you're heating up your stomach for long enough, like you're going to have a sustained appetite. Mm -hmm. And it's not just going to be like, oh, I smoke and I eat and then it goes away. It's going to be like a sustained thing. Like Um, I always overeat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I always yeah. overeat. And it also yeah. can, when, then when you overeat in Chinese medicine, it can cause like stagnation and dampness accumulation and just heaviness and dampness is just inflammation, swelling, mucus, um, poor digestion, just kind of like clogs you up. Mm-hmm. So, um, but also it heats up the liver. So it also can cause, you know, anger, mood imbalances, um, heats up the liver in that sense and then the lung also heats up the Mm -hmm. lung Mm -hmm. physically and energetically and physically you know anytime you're smoking something like it's not good for the lungs like we all know that whether it be like cannabis and i've if patients do like to to incorporate cannabis into their their lifestyle then i always recommend like edibles Mm -hmm. because if you're going to have a daily habit of smoking, like your lungs are going to be taking a hit. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So marijuana, I mean, it's a plant medicine, but it should be used as a medicine and people, I feel like they use it more as um, more of like a 
distraction slash coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where our society is headed with the legalization of it mm-hmm. instead of it being used to, you know, with its benefits, because it has a ton of benefits. Yep. Um, and I even like CBD even more. And I recommend that a lot more than I do like THC, but it, it has a lot of benefits, but it also, it can be, it can be used and abused just like mm-hmm. any kind of mm-hmm. drug. And I think a lot of people, they don't, they don't, they can't really quantify like the weight of that also. Yeah. Like there's a neuroscientist who shows that chronic cannabis usage, it depresses every area of your brain literally every area of it and over and especially for kids who start at young it's like i'm pretty sure in the research too was saying that there there's like a level they like won't get back if they start using it like too young for like brain development mm. but if it's is that dr. Every eamon? dr eamon with his the, I the think blood so. brain studies yeah like the blood I think flow so. the brain decreases yeah i've seen that yeah and so it's just like okay well that's fine if it's on an occasional thing, but to do it every day and you're depressing every area of your brain and you're like doing all these things, it's like, just like with anything, you know, mm-hmm. you have to mm-hmm. be mindful of, of the, what you're using. Yeah. And I think it, like we said earlier, it comes back to intention, you know, and mm-hmm. what you're using it for, how you're using it. And if it's being used to numb or suppress or run away from, mental emotional mm-hmm. issues that's a slippery slope you know yeah so and this is like my personal observation yeah. <laughs> you're also not gonna like this answer but my personal observation as i have never maybe besides rappers <laughs> seen people who are like chronic marijuana users like chronic every single day high all like the time all day yeah yeah like be super successful in life yeah yeah like I said, except like rappers. Like maybe yeah, Snoop I mean, it's Dogg, definitely a you know? stigma. Like I just haven't seen that. And I consistently don't see that. And for the people who want to, you know, operate at this higher level and like achieve things, they're, they're not, I'm not going to recommend you smoke weed all day. <laughs> yeah, no. And, in that, and that's a stigma. And that's what I'm passionate about is like removing the stigma. And a lot of my episodes, I've smoked joints like with my guests, you know, and it's mm-hmm. been a very functional, high level conversation. So my whole point is to mm-hmm. like, remove the stigma that like we can be smoking a joint and having a very intellectual conversation right and i even challenged dr lou at our school our our nd professor she's like Mm -hmm. don't smoke weed because it'll slow you down and make you dumb and all these things and i was like well actually Mm -hmm. i just want to challenge you and say that i smoked weed every day during school and i was perfectly fine (laughs) i was were you though I was very with it. I was very, I mean, was I? Do you think you were, do you think you were operating at like the highest level that you could have been though? I mean, because you were smoking no, every day. You might've no. been functional. And I think there are, you can be functional and you can smoke weed. Yeah. Absolutely. But are you operating at your peak level? Like I would never want to go to, a, like if my doctor was like, hi, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. I wasn't being high during school. I want to be fair. Well, no, and, like, of course, of course. You know, like yeah. it's different though, when you smoke at the end of your day, like it's no different than people yeah. that are like, Oh, I have a glass of wine to relax at night, whatever. It's the same thing of like, I did all my things. I studied, I did my work. And then at eight or yeah. 9 PM, I would smoke a little bit, chill, relax, yeah. de-stress, watch a documentary, whatever. Right. 
I had no problem with that, you know, but and but yeah. I don't it's I'm glad we're having this conversation, actually, because I think you brought up an awesome point. And I, I kind of. I think I challenge, you know, your listeners to kind of ask themselves if they do have these habits, like why, why do you feel the need to have a glass of wine at the end right. of your day? Totally. Or why do you feel the need to smoke the joint at the end of your day? Totally. I agree. You know, <laughs> and with school, I get it. I mean, I went through a phase where I was like for maybe a month or two, like every day when I would come home before bed, I would like smoke a little bit of weed when I was in school because of de-stress. And, but it's like mm-hmm. now I'm self-aware enough to know like exactly what I was using it and abusing it for, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I was going mm-hmm. through a really hard time. I was like trying to sleep. I was really stressed. I was, you know, like using this this kind of tool, but there's so many. Well, what if I would have meditated? If mm-hmm. I would have done a Joe Dispenza meditation at night, but where you, would that have taken me? You, you know what I mean? Voice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't hate his voice. Know, I'm, I'm just used. To, <laughs> I'm used to uh, Sam Harris's voice, which is very different. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. But You're yeah. not the first person that said that. <laughs> that's so funny. He's uh, he's really great. I just ordered his book. Actually, I ordered the book, um, "Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself." Nice. That's the first one. Have I you read, read that yet? Yeah, that's the first one I oh, read. Oh, cool. Of yeah, that's a really good awesome. one. Awesome. Yes, um, I'm gonna read that in fun. Yeah, no, I understand. And I'm gonna read that at night before I go to bed. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I understand what you're saying, definitely. I think also keep in mind everybody's biochemical individuality is different. Everybody's endocannabinoid system is different. Mm-hmm. You know, there's many factors, right? Oh, what yeah. What works for you maybe what doesn't work for somebody else. That's the sure. individual aspect of our nature as well. You know, but yeah you got to be very mindful just everybody smoke weed all the time every day no 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 that's definitely not what i'm saying you know yeah i do agree most of the medical benefits come from cbd and that doesn't get you high you know and so you can take that every day highly recommend it honestly absolutely you know for most people honestly can benefit from that so thc has its benefits you know talking about you know in cancer for not only treatment of cancer with the, you know, like symptoms of of chemo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then like, what's a perfect drug for chemo? You have nausea, you have uh, appetite, you know, I have appetite, you have pain, you're feeling Mm. bad. Cannabis takes care of all of that. No, it's fantastic. I've seen it um, firsthand, actually, the benefits of it with people who are going through chemotherapy, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, CBD, I think, like you said, you touched on that with a supplement. If there's a supplement that I'd recommend everyone being on, it would be CBD because ultimately you can't heal when you're in a stressed out state. You like have to get into that parasympathetic state and people and any kind of stress, whether that be emotional, physical, chemical is going to absolutely exacerbate any problem that you already have. So, or create more. So CBD, I mean, I use CBD every day and I recommend this patient's or get on CBD because we just live in a very kind mm-hmm. of stressed out society now. So mm-hmm, for sure, it's just, mm-hmm. it's extra support. I feel like a lot of people need to go through life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And be, be mindful of where you get your CBD, you know, like from the smoke shop or the gas station CBD, you know, might not be the best. So no. <laughs> uh, quality matters, you know, for sourcing yeah, matters. Does. the dose, the dose that you take matters. So talk yeah. to your uh, trusted healthcare provider. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think this is a pretty good time to end. Do you have anything left on your 
on your heart, on your mind that you'd like to share with everybody. Um, this has been really awesome. I really appreciate you uh, coming on here, but yeah. anything left to, to share with everybody? Um, Ooh, any, any final words? Yeah, I would, I would say, I think our, our whole conversation kind of was like on the same theme of like following your passion and, you know, being intentional and trusting your intuition. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of want to close with like, you have the answers, you know, and if you take the time to slow down enough to just sit in whatever uncomfortable emotion or situation that you're in and just ask yourself, like, what do you want? What do you need? You will figure it out. And then you will be able to take the steps that you need to take to get to that place. And my, my, takeaway from my time spent in California because I live in Chicago and it's cold here and it's super cold here and it's Mm. dark and you know I'm in school and and life's a little bit hard and I loved California but I felt like I was escaping from my life Mm. and my kind of message that I took home from that experience was I want to create a life that I don't have to escape from Mm -hmm. and I challenge everybody to start making the moves to do that Mm. I love that. I love that a lot. Don't, don't create a life that you can't wait to, for retirement one day, you know, yeah. like, that life now. Or yeah. Or your one vacation a year, your two vacations a year is like the, the time of your life. It should be an everyday thing, but it takes a, it takes a lot of work because you have to go against, you have to go against a lot. You have to go against the grain of completely how everything works, how jobs work, how health works. Mm-hmm. And you have to just go rogue <laughs> mm-hmm. and then you'll finally figure it out. Yes. Yes, you will. Awesome. Um, thank you so much again. You're, you're amazing. Um, really appreciate you for who you are. Keep, keep up the great work. Can't wait for you to get out there and start uh, helping people to heal themselves. Um, thank you. Yeah, of course. We'll, uh, we'll talk really soon and uh, appreciate you again. Have a, have a great Awesome. One. Thanks, Adrian. Take care.